It's not all the time you can talk to somebody that you knew before you got in radio. Never mind before we got in radio as kids. But Scott Gibbons, welcome to your radio story. How are you? Well, thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me. I, you know, and, and you, you go back to the beginning there. I, I didn't realize there were that many people from Framingham that eventually get into radio. Hey, Scott, let, let's get kicking here. Tell me one thing about your radio career that nobody knows about. That's that's a good question, and I'm I don't even know where to begin. I mean, there's that nobody knows about. Well, maybe one or two people know about it, but in general, nobody knows about this about Scott Gibbons and radio. <laughs> the fact that I that's what I did for 36 years. <laughs> I thought you were a bus driver. And I did now a, you're telling me you're in radio? I did a number of things over the years. I was a roofer. I did, uh, oh, golly, worked for uh, education, teacher assistant, eventually broke into radio in 1985 full-time. I think that is a testament to who you are and what you wanted to do. You had a goal, and you decided, well, by hook or by crook, I'm going to get to where I want to be, and I, I might have to do some other stuff along the way. That's how you get into the business. It's like if you really want to do this in your heart, you're going to work your hardest to get into this business. But until then, you got to do something. You got to make money. And basically, that's what I did. And where did you break into radio? WKOX in Framingham. Oh, my goodness. The hometown radio station. 19. I grew up listening to it. Same here. Yeah. AM and FM. Do you miss it? I miss those days without question. I mean, that was fun. That was radio the way we all grew up to learn what it was all about. What made you decide you wanted to be in radio? When I was home sick from school when I was in elementary school, and we used to have the radio was on the minute we woke up at my house. It was either WKOX or WBZ, and I was listening to Dave Maynard, and I'm like, you know, that might be a fun job. And I was probably seven years old. My college roommate worked at the college radio station. He said, you ought to come over, just check it out. And I said, uh, all right. Boom! I fell in love. I changed my major in college. And then I said, well, you know, if I'm going to end up doing five years of college, I'm going to do five years of radio. Once it's in your blood, it's in your blood. It is. It's yeah. And it's incestuous. It's it's crazy. It's it's And it is hard to get out of it. I mean, I, I, get out, I was let go when the station I was at got bought, and I kind of bummed around for a year and a half until I managed to pick up another job. And I was like just obsessed by it. I was working weekends down the Cape. I was commuting from Ashland, Massachusetts to Hyannis every weekend to do radio. Loved it. Great station. Had lots of fun. The drives were a little precarious at times, but, you know, it was just fun to be in radio. Did you use that drive time to actually prep your show? Sure. As you think about your radio career, what is the worst moment or worst time? Probably the day I was let go from my first job. Tell us about that. Well, it was, I had been at the same place for, oh golly, about 20, yeah, 20 plus years. It got sold. New owners came in. I was running the station for them for a couple of years, and then they just consolidated, basically, and said, we don't need you anymore. And it's kind of hard to be told that we don't need you anymore when you think you're a productive member of the staff, especially when you've been there for as long as I had been there. That place was in my blood. I'd been there so long. I, I grew up with it, and I just he hated to leave because you've been there so long, and it was like a good friend, you know. How did you grow from that? Well, you had to learn to be a little bit more versatile, I guess, to be able to do more than what I started out doing, I guess. More management, you know, learning how to run computers and becoming more versed with computers. At that point, computers were really just kind of getting into it and being actually operating the whole facility. And my knowledge of computers at the time was limited, whereas now 
I probably still know enough to be dangerous, but you can do things that I couldn't do before on the computer that you really have to know now. So what you're saying, not only do you have to be persistent in trying to get that job, but you also have to be aware that things are changing and you have to change with it. Absolutely. All right, so you, you've taken us through that low. There has to be a highest high. Well, there's a lot of uh, events over the, my career that I get involved with. I mean, I, the promotional things that you get to do, like going down to Disney World and being like behind the scenes and doing a promotional venture there, or is it was so much fun. One that sticks out in particular. I'd have to say the Disney trips I made. You get to go. You come in the back way where the employees come in, and let me tell you, security at Disney, I bet, is more is stronger than it is at a military base. As you think over thirty five, thirty six years in the business, who were your mentors? The person I learned the most from, and, and there are a lot, but the person that was most helpful to me was at the beginning was my first program director at WKOX, a gentleman by the name of Tom Conley. And what did you learn from Tom? It was my first job. It was his first job as a program director. And he really kind of took me under his wing, so to speak, and taught me how to you know, be better on the air and was very good to like, you know, if I did something right, he let me know. If I did something wrong, he let me know. Did that help you get into other stations or did you have to use other mentors, other coaches to progress to some of the other stations that you worked at? Well, it didn't hurt that I worked with a lot of great on-air talent over my career. You groomed a lot of great on-air talent. Well, I, there were a few people out there that, that might still be working that I kind of trained through the day. Might be. Come on. You can open up. This is your story, my man. I'm trying to think of all the names that might still be in the business, but I can't think of any at this point. They're there. Oh, yeah. What do you miss most by not being active on the air every day? There's an energy level that you get when you walk into the studio, park yourself behind the console, pull the mic in front of you, and get ready to start working. It's kind of hard to explain, but your energy level just rises because you're a performer, and you have to be on at all times. No matter how you feel, you could be hungover, you can be, you could have a cold, have some other issue in your personal life. But when you crack that mic open, it's the greatest time of your life, and I'm going to help make it better for you. I used to be plagued with migraine headaches, huh? but when I'm on the air, I never get a migraine. Now, you also worked in management. Most of the time when I talk to personalities, they haven't been on the management side of the street, so they only know a little bit about radio. What can you explain as a middle manager that some of the on-air talent really never gets to see or understand? There's a lot of legal things that you need to be aware of. There's clerical things, like if you're at a music station, you have to log music for ASCAP, BMI, and the licensing people. But I think the biggest thing is protect the license. I mean, that's one of the things that you're on the air. You're protecting the radio station license. You have to know what you can get away with and what you can't get away with. It is so interesting to hear you say that because I have never heard anybody say about protecting the license. But you're absolutely correct. You listen to some of the shock jocks. How are they protecting the license? Managers usually have to protect the license, but the shock jocks are pushing the envelope. See, I had the, one of the other jobs I had over my 36 years in radio was teaching at a broadcasting school. And that's one of the things that one of the first things we did in intro to radio. The job of the radio station manager is protect the license, turn a profit. What do, what do you think of all the consolidation that is going on in the business today? I hate it. To me, because I worked for Clear Channel, which is now iHeartRadio, to me, they're the evil empire. 1,200 radio stations all over the country. When you and I get into the business, it might have been a dozen radio stations in Boston and vicinity. They were all owned by different owners. So if there's 12 radio stations, there's 12 different owners, there's 12 different programmers, 
It's 12 different philosophies. It's made That, to me, is what made radio so much more exciting. The competition, I think, was more fun because you were all going for that piece of the pie. Now you're working for a group of six radio stations looking for that same piece of pie, but it's like, oh, it's okay. That's, they're our sister station. So as you look at that, I want you to look into that crystal ball that you have while you're driving the bus and tell me where you believe radio is going to be, let's say, in 2023 to 2025. It's going to continue to evolve. There's a lot of people that say radio is dying. I'm not convinced of that because... There are still so many people that go to their car and turn on the radio or get up in the morning and turn on their radios because when the lights go out, the portable radio is all you have or your computer. Now there might become more podcasting or the websites from radio stations will be the only way that they're going to survive. I still think that over the air broadcasting is still going to be there for quite some time. What about AM radio? That's a hard one. There are still in all the major markets, there's still one AM radio station that's in the top 10 ratings-wise here in New England. You've still got WBZ in Boston. They're still raking in a lot of dough. They're still a very successful AM radio station. You know, what other AM successful AM stations are there? That's So there might be one out of 20 or 30, but what's happened to the other 19 to 29? Yeah, you have to find the entrepreneur that's willing to take a loss for a certain number of years until they can figure out a way to either break even or make a profit, which is hard. Is radio doomed to just advertising dollars, or do you ever see a time where radio stations have account executives that do more than just sell advertising? What else can they sell? Soap, for all I know. I'm just throwing it out there. Well, you had, you need revenue to keep the, the station running. You need salespeople to go out and sell time or to go solicit for donations like they do in public radio or public media. It's the only other way because in order for you and I to be on the radio every day, well, we got to make a buck. If we don't make a dollar, then why do we do it? For fun. Well, that's true. There, but there are, besides college radio stations, there are other community radio stations where people know that they're not going to get paid or they're actually forbidden for going to, to go out and sell their own time. A lot of people do radio because they love it. We all do it because we love it, but we also love to make a living doing what we love. So that means we want to make some money. And if you can't make money doing what you love, then, then how do you support yourself? 36 years in the business. His name is Scott Gibbons, and we're going to take him through a little lightning round when we come back on the Brian's Beat Radio Stories. Everybody knows health insurance premiums are sky high. Then they get clobbered with astronomical deductibles. I've found a company that provides low-cost, great coverage options. They have a variety of very affordable health plans, all with no deductibles, and most prescription drugs are covered. Here's what happens when you use one of these plans. Everybody gets better faster, and you keep more money in the bank. Why pay up the yin-yang in premiums, then go broke from huge deductibles? Check for yourself at hbgnetwork.com. hbgnetwork.com. We're back with Scott. We're listening to his radio story. You've told us where you believe the business is going to be over the next three to five years. What would you want to say, what one thing would you like to say to an aspiring on-air personality or, or just anybody that wants to get into the radio business? My first question would be, how bad do you want it? Because it's not easy to get into the business, as you well know. And it's how, how much are you willing to do to get where you want to be and Learn and, and, and try to learn as much as you can about the business before you 
So don't go in with a tunnel vision, I want to be just production yeah. or I want to be just news or just sports. Learn the whole business. Learn the whole thing. You, you can't go in with blinders on. You've got to know. You've got to learn the business. You've got to find out what it's all about to get to where you want to be. Do you think people really want to get into the radio business the way it used to be back in the 70s, 80s, and, and I'd even say the 90s? No, because I don't think the young younger people don't listen to the radio like we used to. You've got iPads, iPods, NPRs to listen to. When I was teaching at the radio school, you know, I'd ask the kids, what radio station do you listen to? Well, I don't. Then why are you here? <laughs> Especially when you think about those schools, they cost a pretty penny. Yeah. Why would you waste your money like that? What did you get for a response? Well, there were a few that, you know, listened to enough radio that they figured they wanted to try to be like some of the people that they heard on the radio and they wanted to be able to play music. They said, well, it's so much more than just playing music. So you got to learn that you yourself, aside from the songs that you play, you have to be somewhat of an entertainer. Or as a programmer that I worked for many years ago, I don't want a disc jockey. I can get disc jockeys anywhere. I want an actor, an actor that can go out and hold on to an audience. And that's what they want. They want something that sells. Right. To the person that is still in the business, that may be just floundering around, what would you say to that person? How happy are you? Where do you want to be yourself in five years? If they're just floundering around, obviously you want to be doing more than just floundering around. That's my opinion. I'd, I think if I was just floundering around, I'd get out. As you look at all the different tools that are available to on-air personalities and managers, what tool do you use? What resource do you go back to time and again? I try to read as much as I can newspapers, magazines, online, just to get a pulse of what's happening around you. That and just being aware of what's happening in your own community or your own region. Do you use any kind of software or computer tool to aid you in, in your prep or whatever else you're trying to do? There were some online subscriptions that we used to get at other stations I worked at that I managed to pirate that I would look at. But other than that, basically it's just the local, the local newspapers. Scott, what parting words do you want to leave Radio Nation with? Never give up, I guess. Strong words right there. Never give up. Yeah. until you find what it is that you're you looking want. for. Scott Gibbons, thanks so much for joining us today on Brian's Beat Radio Story. 